Monday night, generational change. I'm Jen. I'm Peter. And it was a productive weekend, I would say. Hope yours was as well. How was yours? Well, you know, it was pretty good since we were on a we were on a really nice boat last Yeah, we got night. to see I, how the better... We can't even call it a boat. It's, we, it's yeah. a yacht. It was really, really yeah, nice. Yeah, we get to see how the better people live, I guess you could say. Well, it used to be a phrase called the better half, but it's really more like the better, the better 0.1, 0.11, 0.01%. That was some It's like some ridiculous. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, this was a yacht. Whoever it was, they had a very nice yacht for really our friend. Nice. Uh, Linda Gonzalez was running for Florida's. Uh, I, it's not 93rd anymore. That's the nicest yacht on. I've been on. That's just like a person who was just hosting that was having it. And it wasn't like a chartered or it wasn't like a company or it wasn't that it was just that woman's yacht. Yes, I would agree. But of course, what's the most important thing about going on a yacht for a fundraiser for a political candidate? The food. The food. How was the food? The food, the food was, was awesome. Great. Why? Because we met Lenore. We met a very nice lady who caters to a lot of different, uh, I guess, you know, types of, I guess, yacht life or whatever you want to call it. Yacht life. So high end, she's high end, she's high end catering. And the salmon was perfect. Yeah, it was really good. Considering I don't eat meat. But this is what happens. I I eat fake meat. We go to Democratic fundraiser events, yeah. and by the end of the night, I'm friends with the caterer and the bartender. That well, is exactly what happens every time. The aristocrats are the working class, as they say. I, this is often the case. Every time, that's how it goes. As you guys know, it was a very interesting week uh, plus, as it still is right now. Obviously, recovery period happening on the southwest coast of Florida. Of course, Fort Myers, Sarasota, Orlando, places that obviously took my, it on my the My love, Sanibel. Yes, my, your favorite place favorite in the whole place, world. world Sanibel is obviously been hit pretty hard. It's bad. But with that said, we've got a lot of things uh, that obviously need to be done in terms of recovery. Also, a lot of things that, uh, no, fish is not meat. It's called seafood. Actually, it, it it's flesh, right? Like it's a flesh because you're eating animal meat like it is. But when in generally here, we when we refer to meat, it's red meat. And then for me, of course, it's also poultry. poultry. I, yeah. Yeah. Well, I won't eat farmed animals. So Neither I'll eat anything I. that's been wild caught. And that generally is fish. Yes. Like that, that's especially living in Florida. I, I eat an inordinate amount of mahi. Don't be hating on those that want to eat a fa- <laughs> those you face. You just got to do what you can to try to convert them. But with that said. No, I don't want to convert anybody. Very- everybody should eat what they want to. Well, that's not exactly good for the environment. That, but That's between them and them. Well, what about factory farming? No, well, uh, I can educate people and I could tell them this is what and this is what I do, but I don't judge people I because that doesn't get me anywhere. Well, so I right. just put information out there. I don't like industrialized uh, animal farming. That's not my thing. Well, let's talk to our first guest who will know a thing or two about what's going on in your wonderful Sanibel and other places that are on the Don't West mock Coast Sanibel. of Florida. It's I am like not mocking it. I am just simply telling world. you that this is how it works. But she is the candidate for Florida's 16th Congressional District, which covers the greater Sarasota area, running against the sixth richest congressional representative in Vern Buchanan. That's gross. Yeah, it is. Is it a, what's the RD of this district? I think it's a plus seven, actually. So It's plus seven uh, red. Yes. So not impossible. Not impossible, but so, definitely. It's an uphill climb. But with that said, we are very happy to welcome Jan Schneider. Welcome to Generational Change. You're with us. Hi. Can you hear us? Jan? Does she have us? Um, do you hear us? Something is awry. 
Can you hear us? Jan, can Hi. You- if you can hear me, I can't hear you. That's okay. a problem. Yeah, we right. can hear you, but that doesn't work if she can't hear us. No, we'll see what we can do to work on this. All right, hang on one second, Jan. Right. Something is awry. So we'll see. Okay. Uh, so guys, while we're doing that, I did go ahead today and vet some um, hurricane relief efforts because I know people want to give, people want to donate, and you want to make sure that you're donating to something that's actually reputable, decent. Um, before I put this list up, for any of you that are subscribers to Bow of the Fifth Column, if you are, or a patron rather, of Bow of the Fifth Column, you are supporting uh, hurricane relief efforts because Bo has already been down there. He's brought down generators, chainsaws, and gas um, to people. And so, and that's where he gets the money to do that, which is amazing. But let me go ahead and put this up, guys, so you can see. Um, this, I really don't like that background. All right, I, then change it. Okay. Then change it. Okay, change oh, well. it. Do what you want to do here. There's your background. So, guys, these are ones that are verified. The, the top Five, I know have GoFundMes, but you can also go to the organizations. I looked up Team Rubicon. I had never heard of it. It is actually disaster relief that is run by um, veterans. So it's it's retired veterans that are serving in disaster areas, and it has a very high rating. Um, and then the rest, Feeding Tampa Bay, World Central Kitchen, which is Jose Andres's um, big organization, which is amazing, CDP Atlantic Hurricane Season Fund, Good 360, and an organization I found called All Hands and Hearts that also had a really high charity navigator rating. And I know they're specifically doing stuff on the ground, helping people. So anyway, guys, check out any of those organizations, but be wary of the bigger ones, as you should be. And be wary of anybody saying they're going to go in and bring things and watch Bo's video on don't do that unless you really know what you're doing. Don't do that. Don't do that. Yeah, so, you got to be, you always have to have your guard up regarding who is actually there for the right reasons. And, and people don't understand direct disaster rescue and relief. They don't understand. And like, even Bo was saying, he's like, I was stupid. I wore cowboy boots. So he ended up stuck on a roof in cowboy boots. But he is someone who can easily get himself out of that kind of predicament. Don't get yourself. And also the amount of people that go in with tank of gas, not realizing they won't be able to fill up to get back out. So like, just don't play weekend warrior rescue hero. And don't give your money to the Red Cross, please. Well, it's like people, there are organizations, these are them, check them out. These are on the ground relief, rescue, post-disaster recovery organizational teams. That's what you need to donate Much to. like shopping local, you know, this is definitely one of those ways to make yeah. sure that you're doing so it So these right. are the people addressing Hurricane Ian rescue recovery right now. Okay, Thank there goodness. you go. So we have not gotten an update yet on our technical issue. I suggested that the lovely Mrs. Schneider log in via her phone because I think that'll probably solve the issue. So okay, so did she sure. Does she understand that she's... She said it's fixed. All okay, right. so okay, let's see what now, happens. We will now try again. We're going to try again. We're going to try again, and hopefully this time... And now you have work. the background you like. Jan Schneider, welcome to Jennifer's <laughs> stage. And we hear we you. We're staying so active. We agree on almost everything. <laughs> That's great. So you can hear us now. I can well, welcome to Generational Change. Um, you know, we're, we're trying to encourage people to donate money to not the giant things, but really go to people that are on the ground trying to help. So that we generally do that stuff. But Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. We drove down to Venice. 
what is what's going on? I know Sarasota is definitely north of where the real brunt of the storm was, but I'm sure you guys had repercussions up there. Oh, sure. There's a lot of power outages still and trees all over the place. I have a new art object in my pool. It's a tree. Oh, yeah. It, it, it happens. I've been in a couple of hurricanes myself, so I know, and it doesn't take too much, especially when we plant trees that aren't indigenous, to uproot them and knock yes. them over. Well, I put a black know. ribbon on it for those who died. It's actually a strip of black garbage bag, but it's a thought that counts. <laughs> So talk about your district. Um, obviously, it is a plus. He's saying it's a plus seven red. So, I mean, it's definitely it's like a plus 12 red. OK. OK. Well, if it depends if you count Donald Trump registration or how you count it. And so, you know, I'm a Yale Law graduate. I can count. But <laughs> we can very much help defeat Ron DeSantis, if nothing else I think he's about the biggest danger to the country, even before Donald Trump. And myself, I'm a believer. I believe in certain things. Our campaign, for example, believes in women's equality, in equality for LGBTQ, in helping the disabled, in taking better care of veterans. I'm a believer, and if I can help by running a campaign, and propagating these views, absolutely. We might even win. <laughs> Your current congressional representative is one of the wealthiest members of the U.S. Congress and doesn't seem to care very much for his constituents, nor does he seem to care very much for the laws regarding PPP loans. Uh, my understanding is that Representative Buchanan took out $2.3 million in PPP oh. loans. And he's no, worth a PPP forgiveness. He got, yeah. I think, closer to $7 million in PPP loans. The man is worth $150 million, apparently. That's how people get that way. They do stuff like that because they're criminals. Right, well, you didn't think I got rich by being a generous and honest person. No, you, you I know. think you get rich on the backs of working people is That's what I think true. you do. Yes. Well, and he has a bill in to extend the Trump tax cuts. The reasons given him rely on a budget report that doesn't say what he says it says. He is for the ultra-rich like himself. We are for all the people, and I assure you, I am not worth $150 million or a tenth of that. I might be approaching 1% of that if you count my house. Right, right. Well, that's it. You're the We're the 1% of of what the 1% have, you know but what I mean? you know what, I'm very lucky. And we were so lucky in the storm that I don't need that kind of money. I'm older, I want to do something for future generations. I'm also a big believer in environment and intergenerational equity. The, la the latter being a sort of legal term, which means Leave it for the next generations as good as you got it, at least, basically. We have not done that. Yeah. No, we haven't. In fact, far worse. You forgot to mention that Vern and every Republican on the Florida delegation just voted against nearly doubling the FEMA disaster relief fund. Yeah. They voted and, last and Friday. 
And considering what former Governor Scott uh, did when it came to any type of uh, statewide relief, it, it really just, you know, it, it's nonsensical in terms of their approach. It's one of those things that the GOP does that really boggles the mind that they really are not concerned about being able to deal with these types of disasters. Now, I don't know. Uh, if they have X amount of reserves, but the amount of damage that was done to Fort Myers, I mean, that's going to take years and years to fix. Uh, from your perspective, being on the West Coast of Florida, there are a lot of theories about, you know, what is the best way forward regarding sea level rise, climate change? How would you go about potentially rebuilding Fort Myers, Sanibel, that particular area that was hit so bad? Because it if there was another, I mean, again, there's no, you don't know when the next hurricane is going to come. Not trash and roulette. We play it every yeah. year. But you know that there's a danger sure in rebuilding. They can rebuild Fort Myers to anything like the gorgeous place it was a few days ago. But we do have to pay attention to climate change. There's another subject the Republicans voted against. I spent some years of my life working for the United Nations Environment Program. Back then, we called it global warming, but it's basically the same problem. You have to check human emissions and have sensible energy policies, and those include, unfortunately, checking various petroleum-based sources. But, you know, <laughs> decades later, where are we? Same place, but we call it climate change. Well, we're in the same place because <clears throat> the same corporate interests and actually now own all three branches of our government, seemingly. And so when you've got fossil fuel industries be, uh, having Congress on their payroll, you're not going to see them doing things to really push a clean energy grid. And that's the problem is they've been completely co-opted. I mean, we always say the key thing is you have to get the corporate money out because until that happens... We're not getting anything we want. And it's not just fossil fuel. No. I mean, I forget something like 20 or 40 families funded half of the last presidential election. I don't remember the exact numbers, but it was astonishingly few people. That contributes to the same problem. Yeah. yeah. When you have the ability to concentrate so much wealth into such few people's hands, eventually the dam is going to break. It can only sustain itself for so long. And there is sort of this uh, uprising, if you will, that's happening. It hasn't happened in Florida nearly as much as we would like, but the unionized efforts at various parts of the country as it stands right now, whether it's with Starbucks, whether it's with Amazon, hopefully Walmart, crossing my fingers, eventually that's going to really take shape. And of course, the possibility of a railroad strike. Is oh, I'm, wait, I'm hoping that there's also going to be a Teamster strike because of UPS. Yeah. So there's Maybe a lot of things. There's a lot of things happening regarding labor. How do you see that evolving? As well? well, I'm a big labor supporter. But back when I was in college, I put myself through grad school. And one of the jobs I had was a night switchboard operator, which required me to join the union. I was really gung-ho until I discovered it was the International Brotherhood. Of <laughs> That's right. I mean, my values came into a clash there. But no, we desperately need unions more than ever before. We're in a situation 
The rich get the tax cuts, they get richer. Working families, even with two time, two full-time working parents can't educate their children, can't support their children adequately. Our country is in a mess. Yeah. That's definitely one way of looking at it and certainly plays. It's implosion of capitalism and corporatism greed. It's just it's just festering cesspool. And until those people are not the people that are representing us, that's what we're going to continue to see. And that's why we have to get the money out. There's nothing inherently wrong with capitalism, but what we have government instruments for are to mitigate its excesses both currently and over time. I mean, I don't, I'm not a socialist. Right. I do believe in capitalism, but I also believe that you have to mitigate the natural greed and excesses in the system. Well, the best run countries in the world, economically, generally speaking, are ones that have what is considered to be a hybrid system, which is a splice of Capitalism and socialism, which I think is the best way to run an economy, because you need to have a counterbalance to the excess greed, as you alluded to. And there Scandinavian are systems. There you go. Yeah. Scandinavia is one Well, example. every other country, really, yeah. that's developed well, no. has some form of, like, health care for their yes. people, a minimum standard of living. Like, we don't offer a social safety net. We don't take care of our people. We have things like healthcare, education, and corrections as for-profit industries. So when you have those types of services, part of your capitalist economy, it is going to implode. Like that can't work. Certain things need to be off the capitalist table in order for a civilization to kind of function. Well, I'm a Medicare for all person. Right. You don't have to convince me. I've been a Medicare for all person for decades. Right. It's certainly but, the most fiscally responsible way to run a healthcare system. For sure. I mean, we spend twice as much as the next country on healthcare per capita, and our results are not good. Our mortality is mediocre. Our life expectancy is going down. That should be telling people something. Yeah, we're doing it wrong. Yeah. Jan, I have one last question, which I think is very important. One of the things that we have uh, talked about a lot when it comes to political strategy, one of the big differences between the GOP and the Democrats is the GOP really emphasizes a bottom-up approach when it comes to building um, political strength, whereas the Democrats tend to focus more on a top-down approach. Can you talk about the importance of local you know, whether it be county, uh, even, you know, congressional in this case, the, the importance of down ballot races when it comes to building political strength versus the what seems to be the overwhelming focus on the top two races, whether it be governor or U.S. senator. But there's a lot of other important races that really need to get the vote out in order to be competitive over the next month. Can you talk about the importance? Well, in the congressional races, DeSantis did a very good job of gerrymandering, which I think is part of the reason that people are diminishing the value of the congressional races. In any two-year cycle, Maybe 10% of congressional districts nationwide are truly competitive, and yet people run for all of them. Some are believers like me. They want to propound certain philosophies of better government for all the people, not just the rich and the strong, but all the people. 
But we just had a prime example of what you're saying, which is the Sarasota school board race, which was a total horror. We have people elected that basically don't believe in public education, don't send their children to public schools. So I think you're right, but only to a point. The Republican Party has switched somewhat. Now it's top down from Donald Trump. And that is terribly, terribly, terribly dangerous. I shouldn't say this on a podcast, but I think he's a racist, sexist, homophobic, xenophobic liar. And that is tremendously dangerous. I'll tell you, I even gave some money to Liz Cheney. Had you told me two years ago that I would say any person named Cheney did anything good, let alone give the money, I would have said you were out of your mind. We disagree on just about everything except the most important thing, which is integrity in government. Well, we certainly need a lot more of that. And I want to make sure that everyone has an opportunity to check out your information more thoroughly. What is your website? How can people get involved? And we really appreciate you coming on this evening. www.votejan.com. That's pretty easy. Yeah. And we have, of course, a political Facebook page and all that good stuff. And all of that is connected to your website. All the links are there. Yes, they are. All right. Wonderful. Jan, we really appreciate you coming on this evening. We want to wish you the best over the next month. Obviously, as we alluded to, you know, we need to be very active with the down ballot races because that's how we're going to have a fighting chance in November. But thank you so much for coming on this evening. It was real. Thank pleasure. you. And how do we, do we help you and them? Oh, even cool. what we're doing. Well, it means a lot. Thank you so much. And we hope to see you down the road. Thank you so Bye. much. Bye. Bye. You're welcome, Jen. Bye-bye. I think Jason left something here that explains how I'm to deal with what we're this, having. The connection you made? Well, yeah. There's a, there was a note that he had left here on how to deal with it. And now I can't. There. There. This? Read that. Whatever that Backup says. Backup connection, upper RT right corner. Uh, or is that? I don't know. Right. Yeah. Wi-Fi shortcuts. I don't know. Uh, He's coming. He's coming. He might be able to help us. But anyway, go just just continue until we if we if we can right now. Well, it's right fine. now it says it's fine. It's, so it's, it's waning. We're not have to but we have a system that. backup plan now. That's the whole point. Right, we just well, need to know good. how to operate it. So yeah, but why what, is there any reason why that's happening? I you would have to ask the cable the company you would have to ask the people in charge because we don't run it from oh, underneath I, my house and, and there's like you said you don't like your simpsons and south park references no but there's I like a really great south park reference to the cable company oh no we can't help you it's like, no but i do remember the seinfeld with kramer hiding from the cable guy oh that was great yeah we should definitely be more transparent <laughs> when we say we should be there at that time <laughs> and it comes down and he's crying and he's like hey. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was great. It was great. <laughs> All right. So we obviously, before we bring on our next guest. If, if right now we're fine. Yeah. So before we bring on our next guest, obviously you do want to mention something which is important, which is the upcoming yes. stream that we have planned two weeks from now, which is going to be a very important panel, which is going to be talking about the distinction between Judaism and Zionism. Yeah, actually, this guy, this is a three hour event. 
four panels, 45 minutes each. Um, I have some seriously good guests uh, already secured. I just started reading a, the book that was put together by one of them, who is Rabbi Brant Rosen out of Tadaka Synagogue, Chicago. And his book is Wrestling in the Darkness. I, God, it just came in the mail and I just started reading it. And I just, I can't, but it's about his path to understanding um, about Zionism and deep deprogramming. And I know I've talked about that a lot on here, like my path deprogramming. And it's very, like reading his story is very um, meaningful to me because I connect a lot with that. It was not easy. I was raised very Zionist. I have been to Israel. I have family in Israel. I have family in the settlements in Israel. I like we. I grew up thinking everybody's going to make Aliyah. We're going to like that was how I grew up, and it has been a very rude awakening. So I am going to be putting this together, and um, there'll be a lot of good information, people. I'm, I highly recommend it, and obviously it's going to be on. Five, huh? It's from two to five, but obviously it'll all be there after the fact. So feel free to check it out whenever you can, but. One panel, the first is a basic um, history of Zionism, distinguishing between Judaism and Zionism. Um, I have history, Zionism, like studying people. Like this, these are the people that really know what they're talking about. Cause I'm not gonna just like read it out. No, of you don't know what you're or, talking about? No, I don't about a lot of it. And I wasn't taught properly. And a lot of us as Jew Jewish Americans were not taught properly. So that's that. The second panel is gonna be about Zionism portrayed in the media and how the media portrays Israel and the difference between what is and what we see. And then the third panel is going to be Zionism in our politics, the effects of APAC and the Democratic Majority for Israel and what that is doing um, to our political you know, culture here and, and what that means for candidates that are speaking out against oppression. And also the censorship issue that 26 states have anti-BDS legislation on the books, which is against our First Amendment rights. And who is one of the leaders advocating for uh, censorship? I'm not going to do that. OK, fine. But there's a lot of people and it's the Zionists really use that and it's really a problem. So and then the last panel that we're going to have is about the intersection between the black liberation movement and Palestinian oppression and what that means, because there is a very strong correlation amongst oppressed peoples and there is a connection in those two groups specifically. So we have um, and I already have two people secured on that panel and I'm very excited about it. So it's, you know, when it's I do like together. a three hour a thon, it's never easy, but I'm looking forward to it. And it's always very educational. My goal is to do it without bathroom. Like, like that's, <laughs> that's my goal. And I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, try to make it as long as I can. Well, make sure you guys get this out there. I'm not wearing diapers. I'm you're not, not wearing, committing to that. You don't have an no, adult diaper? You're I'm not. not. If I have to go potty, I'm going potty. You're going to go potty right here on the floor? That's, no, no I'll have not. to actually leave. That's okay. the point. Well, that would, you know, <laughs> I mean, you do what you have to do. But yeah, I think it's, you'll be uh, here. I will. I, I can't help you go to the bathroom. That's no, you, but you would be sitting here if I have to get up. I guess me. I would have to hold down the floor. You would, the have, to. You would actually have to. But we have so. really great guests so far that are coming on. It seems fine right now. Um, but so, yeah, check that out. Well, does that mean uh, we are getting closer with the people that we are trying to get? Any progress? Um, I'm, I'm still working it, but I have it'll. Everything seems to always come together. I have Just one in four be. very down pat. I have one in four very down pat. Two and three are kind of shifty right now, but I'm, I'm working Watch it. Watch that word. That's considered a slang when it comes to talking <laughs> about Jewish people. So 
Yeah, yeah, I'm just telling you what I've heard. That's you know, so funny because I, as a Jewish person, never heard that. And by the way, you never all saw of these- that thing between Bill Moore and, and Ben Affleck years ago. That crit- Sam Harris was on the. No, the I can't get involved in their culture wars. What I'm no, talking this about years ago, years ago. Okay, I when I say words, and I am somebody who am. Words have meaning, Jen. Words have meaning. And when I say words, I'm generally like definition-based of that word. Like I'm not, there's no innuendo. Like if I use a word, I mean that word. My kid calls me a thesaurus. And he'll say, well, what does this mean? And then I'll tell him another word that what he doesn't know what that means. And it, drives him, <laughs> and it drives him crazy. So yes, there are shifty individuals on um, that I can't quite nail down on my panel. But of all religious faiths, I might say. It's not It's not any sort of like slight. Well, let's hope that it all comes together. If we've gotten this far and it's, uh, you know, we've got uh, 12 days in order to get it all together, I think. And my okay. worst case scenario is it'll get broken up into a series and I will get that panel together. I mean, I'd like to do it at a three hour stint. That is my goal is to do that. And I, I'm hoping it'll work out. My worst case scenario is that I have to break it up into two different, but it'll still be the same series, my Deconstructing Zionism series. All right, well, let's hope for the best. Uh, I am getting that content out. out there, people, come hell or high water. I'm more in Florida, and there could be high water. Well, again, um, one of the guests on the panel, supposed to be, knock on wood, will be Katie Halper. And obviously what happened to her was... And she just put up a clip of Roger Waters, by the way, yeah. who I'm also trying to procure, but I can't get responses because I'm not Katie Halper. Roger Waters is in another stratosphere, unfortunately. Well, we are one degree removed. We are one degree. Who are you? Uh, that's Roger no, Daltrey. I, I mean, I'm thinking of Clint Okay, Ford, you are so... I missed, I, I, I can't I, I even with up. you, okay? That's <laughs> Roger, Roger Daltrey, is, uh, Roger Waters, Roger Pink Waters Floyd. is a Pink Floyd, and I was thinking of The, the Who. Man, yeah, so. you're... Yeah. Um, I will take, we have to take that. Yeah. Up who the parents. F am I? Yeah. I, I don't know, but you're in a whole other band, but so I'm hoping we are one degree. Or anything like that. I know that's unfortunate. I was, uh, I am one degree removed from Roger Waters. So I just have to get set one person to respond, but that's what I'm sort of working on. I'm one degree removed from Rashida Tlaib, but can I say that I've communicated with her? No. Can you get a hold of? Haven't having issues. But then within the past two days, Katie, who I'm trying to communicate with and have like sort of participate in this, has ha- has posted herself with Rashida and and Roger Waters. In the past two days, I'm like, those are two of the people I'm trying to get. Um, there's a few people, anybody who has a connection to Mark Lamont Hill, I really would like uh, to get Somebody him. does have a connection to Mark Lamont Hill. She doesn't, I asked. Oh, okay. She has to ask like if her anybody on her team has that. But anyway, right, well, and well, she I'm cannot come by the way. Oh, she, she can't, can't. no. Oh. So I'm I'm working on stuff, and I'm still waiting to hear back from some other cool media people. But All right. Well, I mean, like I said, things fall together for me. I will say they that, will. and that's why you got to keep plugging away. Because again, these things are not easy to put together. No, it's um, hard. But we have done it before. We did one for Assange, guys. You should check that out. That was like I think I sat there for almost five hours, and I did not go to the bathroom. I was really really proud of myself. Um, and then we did one for healthcare. We did, we did, I think, like three back-to-back really long healthcare panels. That was really good. So, and I think that was it. And then we did, well, we had our Festivus. Yeah. We've done some really long line. We did a Festivus and then we did my 50th birthday. We did like a ton of people. All right. Well, we're just waiting for Saru to join us. So we'll see. I mean, she did confirm and did send the email. So hopefully she will be hopping on. But uh, I guess what we could talk about um, 
really briefly, and this is just again, it gets back to you know the one of the headlines of the show this evening regarding Governor DeSantis and what role does he actually play regarding um, you know the evacuation or lack thereof in Southwest Florida. And again, it's easy to just say that the governor didn't act fast enough or that you know he w- didn't care. Granted, this is a red county area, so I would think he would care more than if this is on the east coast of Florida, but I digress. I do believe that the big problem here is the fact that we don't have any type of a, let's say, high-speed rail system. We are an excessively overcrowded state. And of course, one thing about Florida that's different than states like California and Texas is people tend to migrate right to the ocean and the Gulf uh, Coast. Of the middle of the state is extremely rural compared to the coastlines, which are extremely urban and suburban. And so when you have that much of a cluster, coupled with the fact that we have a colossal problem with climate change, when a, again, everyone has short, what is it about politics and everyone having short-term memory? I don't understand. But There's what, always a new disaster around the corner. Because what I do remember is the fact that Tropical Storm Ian may have become Hurricane Ian and then all of a sudden went from Tropical Storm to Category 4, possibly Category 5 hurricane in the course of about 24 to 48 hours. Did you see this, by the way? No. Because I saw Tom Hartman cover this. So, guys, there is a community that is 12 miles northeast of Fort Myers, which is basically dead in the zone of that just got hit. And it's called Babcock Ranch. Tom Hartman, friend of the show, did uh, just did a show on this today. And this community is all solar. And they actually have not lost. They didn't lose power. And there are some other really cool aspects to that. I mean, I didn't. I just learned about this like maybe a half an hour before we came on. So well, I don't, imagine I don't know. Imagine actually using technology that is available that doesn't have a carbon footprint once it's executed. That doesn't mean that mining for lithium doesn't have. But it problems. says that, that Hurricane Ian, the hundred percent solar community, suffers minimal damage. Shocking. Yeah, the same thing was. You know, I uh, I remember when the hurricane hit uh, Puerto Rico, and you had a home that was completely destroyed that actually wrote out the words, send uh, Tesla or something like that. Like send solar, help us, because this will solve the problem. And again, there are approximately three quarters of a million people right now in Southwest Florida that don't have power. But if they have solar, they do have power. So it's according, okay, their community of about 2000 homes Okay. And so um, anyone can live there. It's all people. ages. Anyone can live there. They've yeah. had 714 new home sales in 21. Um, and so it's a, situated on 18,000 acres and 870 acre solar farm run through a partnership with Florida Power and Light. But man, better than nothing. that's smart. There it is. Yep. They were like right in. They got like the oh, eye they, of the yeah, storm. Absolutely. They did. And they didn't lose power. Go figure. Amazing. Shocking. Yeah. Now I need now we gotta get somebody from there to come on the podcast. We'll make that happen. Colonello, definitely agree. Florida's not long for this world in the next 30 years. South probably. of Lake Okeechobee. That's people. what you keep saying. And half the state lives south of Lake Okeechobee. I, yeah, but that's really what's gonna happen. Mother Nature's gonna it decide is. that our man-made trenches and canals just don't suit her and she'll shake us like a bad, you know, that's why bad it's cough. gonna be very interesting to see how the reconstruction of of Fort Myers ultimately. Well, is let's done. see if they go green. Well, let's see. 
And let's see if we can convince the rest of this country that it actually makes sense to have a living wage instead of a starvation wage and not have people on welfare. Imagine that. That would be a really great concept. And who we better can't to, have that. But who better to talk about that than the president of one fair wage? But if the people aren't starving, then they'll start paying attention. Yeah, to but stuff. then how could they get we, so rich and live like kings? <laughs> but if they're paying attention and they're not struggling to live, they might like, I don't know, vote and participate in, in the process if they're not like struggling to keep food on the table. I don't know. If I was where Saru lived, I would probably be driving through the Pacific Heights neighborhood constantly and telling them your time's running out. It ain't going to last forever. And it's true. How can you it mean because forever? their rich bubble is going to burst or because Tahoe is going to be. Open Let's just product. settle down. We'll be fine. Sorry, I had to do it. I cannot stand it. She is the president her. of One Fair Wage, one of the great organizations we do have in this country that is fighting for who could have imagined a living wage, which proof positive is how we lift this country. Wait, wait, wait. And newsflash. It isn't $15. No, it's not. Uh, I know it's shocking. I'd right? like to know what the I'd like to know what the minimum wage would be in well, San Francisco. Well, maybe it would be somewhere. I don't know. Like there might be small pockets around the. Well, yes, there are different there places, but like fifteen dollars in any city is, that, that doesn't that's not that well living. I, I I don't I do not want to butcher her name, but I am going to try my. I'm going to help you because I'm usually better than you. I've only been wrong once. Saru Jayaraman. 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 Well, Jen got it. Of course, <laughs> trust Jen got it right. Saru Jayaraman, welcome to Generational Change. Uh, thanks for having me. Absolutely. And thank you for what you do, first and foremost. Thank you. So I was right. It's Jayaraman. Jayaraman. Yes. Jayaraman. Okay. Yes. All right. Well, you were closer than I was. I was closer, closer than, than you. you. <laughs> I get it. You know. No. Jayaraman. I'm not going to forget, though. No. I will not forget. Well, and I won't because my dad's name is Jay. So now I'll like just have to affiliate that with that. That's how I do things. So how did it come about? What was the impetus to get started with One Fair Wage? I mean, we are huge advocates for a living wage. It goes without saying that for anyone who understands economics, that if the goal is to reduce the welfare state, pay your workers a living wage and you won't have to have one. Just a thought. (laughs) Well, for me, uh, this really starts and in some ways ends with the restaurant industry. It is the largest and fastest growing private sector employer in the United States, nearly 14 million workers pre-pandemic, but it's been the absolute lowest paying employer in the United States for generations. And why I say this wage conversation really starts and in some ways ends with the restaurant industry is because the primary opposition to raising wages in the United States comes from an entity that most people haven't heard about. It's called the National Restaurant Association. It's led by the chains. We call it the other NRA. It's led by the Applebee's and the IHOPs and the Outback and the Gardens, which is Olive Garden's parent company. And it's been around since 1919 because even prior to 1919, at emancipation, the restaurant industry sought the right to hire newly freed slaves. These These were folks coming out of slavery and saying, well, you're so lucky. We're going to give you a job and we're going to give you the opportunity to be able to get tips from white people, but we're not going to pay you. And that was the first time in world history that tips were mutated from being an extra bonus on top of a wage, as they had always been, to becoming the whole entirety of a worker's income because they wanted to continue slavery in the U.S. So that idea that you could be paid nothing and get only tips was made law in 1938 as part of the New Deal. When the federal minimum wage was created for the first time, but millions of black workers were left out. In particular, black women were told, you get nothing, you just live on tips. And we went from a $0 wage for tipped workers in 1938 
to $2.13 an hour, the current federal minimum wage for tipped workers. Now, the overall minimum wage is $7.25. That's horrific enough. And then when you think about people who earn tips who are mostly women living on the highest rates of poverty and sexual harassment of any industry because they have to put up with so much to get those tips at $2. I mean, the bo- both of these numbers are just ridiculous, outrageous for the United States of America in 2022. But both of these numbers are the result of literally a century of lobbying by the National Restaurant Association to keep the overall minimum wage as low as possible. And then to basically ensure that they don't have to pay it, that they don't have to pay their workers because their workers get tips. Yeah, I've waited tables. I waited tables through college. I waited tables after college. I've waited tables. Um, And it was at the time, it was like $2.11, $2.17 an hour, which by the way, it still is in places. That's right. Which is insanity because this was from, I'd say 89 to 94 ish. And it's still the same, but something that came to my attention recently, um, a friend of mine who works for Cracker Barrel, um, she was able to work in a different store location over the summer, but the wages are different. So what she was, so she thought, oh, well, you know, I hear they make better tips here. Well, yeah, but their wage is less. So she was ending up when you, people don't realize, explain this because you end up paying your tips in your taxes. That's right. So many workers year after year, their employers, you know, people always blame workers for not paying their taxes. But what people found during the pandemic is that employers never report workers' tips. They make assumptions about how much people make. They don't know. And by the way, the law requires employers to actually know how much work tips people are making, because if they're not bringing people to the full minimum wage, employers are supposed to go pay the difference. Nobody ever does that. In fact, under Obama- I've never heard of that even. I've never even heard that was a thing. That's the law. And under the Obama administration, they found an 84% violation rate with regard to employers actually making up that difference. I actually think that's low. It's probably like 100% violation rate because no employer, like you said, ever knows how much people are making. So they report some random number in terms of how much people are making, and then people end up paying taxes on tips they never earned. And so every April, we hear from tipped workers who are just you know, in a lot of tax problems and even debt because they're being asked to pay taxes on tips they never earned. But look, even it got so much worse during the pandemic. During the pandemic, tips went way down because sales went down. Sexual harassment, which was already the highest in our industry of any industry, went way up. And uh, workers just got to a point when they were asked to enforce COVID protocols on the same people from whom they're supposed to get tips to make up their base wages. They said, we're done. So a million workers have left the industry and millions more are leaving. Of those who remain, 54 percent, more than half say they're leaving and 80 percent say the only thing that would make them stay is a full wage with tips on top. And in response, the most miraculous thing has happened after decades of saying it's impossible, we'll go under. There's no way we could pay these workers a wage. Thousands of restaurants across the country are now paying 15, 20, 25, 30 bucks an hour plus tips. We're hearing restaurants in Dallas, Texas that could pay $2 and did pay $2 last year are now paying $25 an hour. Restaurants in Massachusetts, blue Massachusetts, wages five bucks an hour. 
They're paying $50 in Cape Cod because they can't get staff to come any other way. And so suddenly the thing people said was impossible is possible because workers are finally refusing to work for anything less than a livable wage. We are experiencing a historic moment of worker upheaval. And as a result, we're finally winning. So is your, like your organization, you're working primarily, are you national? Are you, are, okay, because because it's such a state by state thing, like how do you, how are you like, how's your mission going? Like, how do you really see this playing out? Like, how can we help you? Thank you. So our mission is to raise wages across the country and to end all subminimum wages in the US. And I just want to explain that for a minute. So you started by saying it's not 15. Couldn't agree with you more. We right now have a ballot measure moving in Portland, Maine for 18 bucks an hour. California is likely to follow with legislation for 18 and lots of states are looking at 20. So we've got to raise the overall wage because you're right. It's no longer 15 bucks an hour. We've also got to end all subminimum wages. So I talked about the subminimum wage for tipped workers. It's gross and disgusting, $2.13 an hour in 2022. But there's also a subminimum wage for workers with disabilities, which is based on a totally ableist, disgusting history of looking at people with disabilities as less than human. There's a subminimum wage for youth in a lot of states that allows people who, quote unquote, apprentice because they're a certain age to get paid a subminimum wage. And there's also a very grotesque subminimum wage for incarcerated workers that exists because of the exception to the 13th Amendment that allows for slavery in the case of incarceration. So that where I live in California, a third of our firefighting white workforce fighting our wildfires are people being paid 33 cents an hour to save our lives. And so we've got to end all subminimum wages in the U.S. If the, the word minimum, I thought, if you look it up in the dictionary, it means there's nothing less than it. And yet you've got now maybe 10 million people in the U.S. who legally can be paid less than the minimum because of these exceptions that are frankly based on race and gender and ability and age. That's all that they're based on is the fact that tipped workers are mostly women, the fact that incarcerated workers are mostly black and brown, the fact that disabled workers are you know, dis differently abled and the fact that youth are youth. That's it. That's the reason we have these subminimum wages. And so really we've got to fight in all of these states to raise wages much higher and to end subminimum wages across the board. And so we're doing that right now state by state. There was a huge push last year with a federal bill called the Raise the Wage Act. It did get very far. Senator Bernie Sanders was our champion and Bobby mm -hmm. Scott House. Actually, President Biden was a big supporter, but eight Democrats in the Senate killed that bill. And it wasn't just Manchin and Cinema. I can name the others, but sadly, we've got too many Democrats who roll over again to whom? To the National Restaurant Association. It was the other NRA that blocked that bill. And we had I'm just going to name some of them. We had Democrats like Senator Maggie Hassan in New Hampshire say, sorry, I can't oh, believe the Restaurant really Association told me I couldn't. She said, she, the restaurant and she really wants to get reelected in a month. Oh, I know she does. I know she does. But she voted no. And of course, Kristen Cinema did her thumbs down on the bill. Remember? Yeah. And um, you know, yeah, exactly. So we've got Democrats who are beholden to the other NRA. That's got to end. And so right now we're moving a state by state campaign. We call it 25 by 250. We're moving bills and ballot measures in 25 states across the country 
we gotta, we've got to end these legacies of slavery by our 250th anniversary. Look, 2026 is the 250th anniversary of the Declaration of Independence. We need to declare independence from these legacies of slavery and from this exploitation economy that results in so many millions of people not Look, we've gone beyond all the arguments, right? They they can't people can't afford right now to feed themselves. They're on public assistance. People are not able to house themselves. We've got a huge increase in unsheltered populations. But way beyond that, people are saying, I cannot even afford to work anymore. It costs me more in gas and childcare to get to the restaurant than I earn when I get there. Imagine the cost of a gallon of gas right now is more than these workers hourly wage because in most states they're earning two, three and four dollars. Why would you spend more money to get to work than you get when you get there? You won't. And so not only are workers no longer able to survive, huge industries are not able to function because they don't have enough staff. And until we raise the wage, our economy will never fully recover from the pandemic. Yeah. I want to do a quick sidebar. Can I just say, I like to reclaim words, like like certain words bother me. We're not going to, I'm not calling this sub-minimum wage. It's subhuman wage. It is we, subhuman. It's yes. subhuman wage. We allow them to sort of like manipulate a narrative that somehow makes it, it normalizes something that isn't normal. And so when I hear that, I think, you know, that's not sub-minimum. That's not a word. Sub-minimum isn't a word. It's like Jews for Jesus. It's not a real thing. <laughs> so what we would say is subhuman. Because it's not the right. So anyway, I'm sorry, I digress. What is the current status of the $18 minimum wage bill that, uh, I mean, we all know Newsom is going to run for president and he's going to try to have some type of a major piece of legislation that he can basically run on because his record is not that good. Good luck with that. Gav. So if, it, if that is going to come to pass, what is the current status of the $18 minimum wage uh, that you guys are looking to do right now? I mean, I think it has a lot of potential there. You know, it's interesting that the opposition will always say it's never the right time to raise the wage. <laughs> oh, you know, it, the times are good. It's not a good time to raise the wage. We're going into a recession. It's not a good time. We're in a pandemic. It's not a good time. Inflation is here. It's not a good time. Working people. And let me say the most of all voters in most states, California, Michigan, even Mississippi, voters, when you ask them, is this the right time to raise the wage? They say, what are you talking about? People can't even afford the cost of a gallon of gas. Of course you have to raise the wage so that people can afford to live, to get around and to go back to work. So most people, it's a wildly popular issue. This is the thing that's so infuriating like every other issue, right? It's wildly popular. It doesn't even, it's not even popular. It's the we find in most states, it's actually the number one thing that drives people to the polls. If you put minimum wage and the chance to vote yourself a raise on the ballot, that will get people to the polls more than any candidate, any party, almost anything else, because it's people's survival and their ability to feed their kids. And so it's wildly popular. It's got to move. I don't, you know, recession or no, inflation or no, this is the most important time because workers are telling you with their feet. I can't afford to go back to work unless wages go up. So I think we're on. I think we're on a real. There's real political headwinds moving in our favor. I think 18 will move. I think the question that we've got to fight for is: Will we actually be able this time in California to include people who've been excluded, like incarcerated workers? Well, that's when we had. That's exactly what happened here. We passed the $15 minimum wage in Florida overwhelmingly. And then as soon as that passed, our little legislature, our little <laughs> legislature, they got together and they decided to add all the subhuman um, you know, categories 
of people yeah. like means testing kind of stuff into what we passed, which was, it was non-conditional. It was a $15 minimum wage was what we passed. And they ended up not getting what they wanted. That ended up not happening. But that was, as soon as we got that through, that was what they were going to do. They said, okay, you can have $15 an hour, except not for you and you and you. And it's mostly the people that are minimum, you know, minimum wage workers. That's right. It's very similar to, you know, Kansas is still an unbelievably deep red state and they voted GOP accordingly, but they still voted to codify Roe v. Wade. The second you put an individual cause on the ballot, overwhelmingly, this country votes the right way. Our dysfunctional republic doesn't reflect the values of our citizenry. That's right. And I, I like to say when they keep saying we're so polarized, we're so polarized, you know, we uh, we just won. We just won one fair wage in Michigan. We're, we're experiencing this huge headwind. We just won fair wage in Michigan. We're about to win it in D.C. and Portland, Maine. We're about to win $18 an hour in Portland, Maine. And then we can use that to shame California into getting it done, right? Um, so we're winning. And I was out in Michigan earlier this year collecting petitions for this in a very red part of Michigan. I happened to be there the week that the shooting happened in Uvalde, Texas. And I I went there with three colleagues of mine, all Muslim women, two in hijab. We were in a very red part, rural part of Michigan. And I feared for us. I have my biases coming from a coastal state. I didn't know what white voters would say to us, especially older voters. Ninety nine percent of the people we talked to said, uh, I have already signed that or where can I sign? And they said, wait a second, I earned that 40 years ago. You're telling me that's still the wage. Or they said, wait a second, you're, you're telling me that the wage in Michigan, $9 an hour is just two, two gallons of gas. That's ridiculous. So people were overwhelmingly with us at a time when the shooting happened and the same language we get from electives. We're so polarized. We're so polarized. We can't move on these issues because we're so polarized. And yet the feeling that I got talking to people is we're not actually polarized from each other. We're polarized from our elected officials who seem to think these issues that are wildly popular are somehow controversial because they're in an echo chamber with the two NRAs, the Restaurant Association and the Rifle Association, telling them something different. Oh, I think they know what's popular. They They just don't care. (laughs) Um, They they just don't care. Or they use they use the excuse of it's polarizing to not do what they know most people want them to do. Yeah, we're speaking with Sarah J. Raman. I think I got it right that time of one fair wage. I would like to shift gears into what I believe is the co-equal important issue when it comes to where the working class needs to break through in this country. We have the living wage and, of course, we have universal health care. Now, you know, uh, we're obviously I'm sure you are as well. Very friendly with Ash Kalra. He's been on our podcast multiple times. We obviously know uh, that Sacramento uh, despite the fact being a super blue state, uh, is no different than our state, no. super red Florida, when it comes to working class initiatives. So they decided, no, we're not going to allow you to even vote. They're just as bought by big insurance and big pharma. Yeah. So can you talk about that issue and how significant it would be for, let's say, people working in the restaurant industry oh. to have universal health care and what that would mean? Well, I mean, let's take the pandemic as an example. You know, nobody in our industry had any kind of health insurance. And uh, first, the CDC named restaurants the most dangerous place to be during the pandemic for all adults, because it was the one place in 2020 and 2021 that we were still walking around in an indoor space unmasked. And the poor workers were exposed to that, you know, all day long. So CDC named it the most dangerous place for adults to be 
UCSF, University of California, San Francisco, one of the top medical schools in the country, named restaurants the most dangerous place to work above hospitals. And, you know, here you are with a lot of people in healthcare, rightly so, getting hazard pay and, you know, all of our support and attention. And these workers making the minimum wage or less, you know, and facing the most dangerous place to work with absolutely no access to health insurance. So people, what happened? People died. I, I don't think people... I don't think people recognize we did a survey of thousands of workers across the country in the restaurant industry in 2020, end of 2020, early 2021. One in three workers said somebody in the restaurant had died of COVID. No access to any kind of health care. You know, a lot of workers, frankly, just go sick, go to work sick because they have no choice. Not only do they not have access to health care, there's also when you live on tips, there's no, you can switch shifts, but there's no, nothing other than getting to work to get those tips. That's how you live. Yeah. You know, so the combination of the ridiculous wage structure and the lack of healthcare meant people died. People got very sick, people died. And so at least some of this labor shortage, which by the way, we don't call a labor shortage to your point of reframing things. It's a wage shortage. It's not that there aren't people ready yeah. to work. It's that there are people not willing to work for these wages or these conditions any longer. And um, so you saw this huge staffing crisis or wage shortage, a result of both the fact that people are walking away from this industry and the fact that many, many people died. And we haven't we haven't had a full reckoning of the fact that this was such a dangerous industry with so little access to health care. Um, and that and that so many people were exposed, both themselves and their families, the elders that they went home to take care of, the children that they went home to take care of. I mean, if that's not an indication that we have to change access to health care in this country, I don't know what is. Yeah. But we just don't care, take care of our people. Couldn't have said it better. Yeah. yeah. Couldn't have said it better. And again, that's that's why I think where we're where we are right now, and it is unfortunate that. I'm not going to I will not stray. I will not hide from the fact that Bernie should be president right now and we'd be in a much different place regarding the labor movement. However, the labor movement to me is the future. I think you would agree. You probably agree as well. It's what we can all coalesce. It's that's where we're not divided. We had a, a member, one of the leaders of the Teamsters Union here in southeast Florida who was on our podcast recently. And he talks about the fact that in labor, particularly in a union, you have Bernie supporters, you have Trump supporters, and even some people in between, and no one gives a damn what your political affiliation is. They just care that you want to have a dignified life, and that is the bottom line. And if yeah. you can talk about the power of the labor movement as it continues to grow, because things are bad right now, and night is always darkest before the dawn, but it seems to me that if we are ever going to get over the proverbial hump of corporate special interests controlling our country, it's going to happen through labor, period. Absolutely. I, I would just make one broadening of everything you said, which is that in my in my experience and my definition, the labor movement is not just unions, because I, I teach social movements at UC Berkeley. We always talk about the fact that a movement can't be any one institution or set of institutions. A movement, a true social movement has to be millions of people, many of whom are not affiliated with any kind of institution engaging in their own way. And that is the beauty of this moment. Millions of people, yes, are organizing and unionizing. Absolutely. Like 
oh my God, what's happening at Starbucks and Amazon is incredible. And even beyond that, we're seeing workers just walk off the job in small restaurants whose names we don't know, right? Last year, the women at Hooters organized and pushed back on the uniform for the first time ever, ever. I was a Hooters waitress in college. Okay, so so he's like, I, mean, I do. And, and they have no idea because when we worked there, we didn't get to tuck our shirts in. We had to tie them up. So it was like, they yeah. Tried to, they tried to implement a new short, shorter short. <laughs> and the women pushed back and they won. And, you know, there's this much bigger phenomenon that's happening. There's people unionizing. That's part of it. And then there's millions of people just standing up and saying, no, I refuse. I refuse to work for $2. I refuse to get no health insurance. I refuse. I refuse. And winning and winning. We've tracked, as I said, thousands of restaurants raising wages. That's victory, victory, you know, and these workers, it's kind of like a one of the one of the biggest most historic moments of a collective strike in some ways. It's people withholding their labor until conditions change collectively. That is the definition in some ways of a strike. And so you're seeing people organize right now a much bigger labor movement that, yes, is in part is unionizing. And even beyond that is workers just rising up and saying we demand more. And so the potential of this moment is great if we capitalize on it, if we organize people, if we actually institutionalize some of these gains into policy and law. That's, I think, the challenge for all of us. And then if we turn this energy into a political energy that goes beyond just wage and hour and health insurance and takes on climate change and takes on abortion and all these other issues, because you're right. I think labor is the place where we come together. But then what do we do beyond that? We can actually turn that labor power into something even greater. Yeah. Well, I want to see Walmart unionized more than any other place. They're, they are the scrunge of society as far as that I know. That him up. Yeah. No, I, yeah. I, I have, uh, I've had it out for the Waltons for quite some time. I mean, I have a lot of issues with, you know, Bezos and Musk and all of them. But you know what? They've at least created something. The Waltons haven't done anything. It's the, it was the complete decimation of the, of the middle class of the United States. Yeah. The, uh, you know, you can start with Reagan, you can go through Clinton, um, the policies that were put in place to allow Walmart to become the biggest employer in the United States. Scary thought. But, you know, being in California, being here in Florida and every place, uh, you know, across Interstate 10, if you stop will. at the pen. Sorry, I can't help it. It's Saru, have you ever considered running for office? No. Uh, <laughs> I love to do this fight on the outside. I love developing leaders from the restaurant industry who are now running for office. We've got members who ran for office in Rhode Island and Michigan here in California. That to me is the future is workers taking over this country. And I'm here to facilitate it. Not to, not to. Right, right, right. It. No, you'd be great though. You'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it, it's usually the people who are the most capable are the ones who say, what are you crazy? I ain't even going to put myself out there like that. That was me. Yeah, well, again, that's, that was me. We often see that in politics very often. It's the people who gravitate to wanting to run for office are the ones. No, who you know your place. lane and people know their lane and they know where they're most effective. But there's just so few people that both have the knowledge and are also good candidates. Like it's it's sort of a perfect storm of things. It's not that simple. I mean, a lot of people decide I want to run, but that doesn't necessarily make them be a good candidate. 
You know what I mean? Like it's a variety of factors. So it's when I see someone that would be really, really good at it, it's sort of like, a, I'm not like, that's a waste, you know, but that's all right. I know everyone has their lane and I know you're doing what is so important to do. There's got to be a thousand of us, right? It can't just be us. There's got to be a thousand of us that we develop that, you know, come from the working class and are, are able to share yeah. those experiences as leaders. That's what we need. That yeah. was Bernie's greatest legacy. And to me, his campaign in 2016, I mean, give him credit, obviously, for 2020. But 2016, it was so inspiring and it really changed the narrative in terms of how things are done. And the one thing he emphasized constantly is this isn't just about me. It's about us and how, again, we need to create a thousand Bernie Sanders throughout the United States. It can't just be this reliance on one person. And yet everyone still blames him. Yeah. Well, you know, everyone hey, still chastises him and blames him because he didn't do enough. He didn't do this. He didn't do that. But unfortunately, what have you done? yeah, but like, unfortunately, what, because of the way that the, the 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 group think in the United States is so devastating regarding somebody like Trump is that Trump seized on that and said, oh, well, you know, everybody's kind of uh, looking for a leader so I can be that leader. And that's unfortunately the byproduct of where we are, because we are living in desperate times. They are extremely yeah. I mean, I think both pointed to something that was sorely lacking, which is that there is a party who supposedly and historically was supposed to stand for working people. And it just, in many ways, abandoned working people entirely. You know, when you've got an issue as popular as the minimum, raising the minimum wage, I mean, it has never failed in red or blue states on the ballot ever. You know, when you've got an issue as popular as universal health care, you know, the fact that the party that's supposed to lead on those issues isn't seeing that they could actually succeed by leading on those issues, then it creates an opening for people like Trump to to rise. You know, Absolutely. when. Well, before you go, somebody does want to say hello. OK, and send here you go. Pleasantries. So. Sarah, I just wanted to come on here and let you know that you're really doing a wonderful job out in California. I won that state by election, if you remember. And we need a living wage and universal health care here in the United States. And if we are to have that, the working class will finally succeed. I'm sorry I'm not president right now, but my good friend, Joe, you know, he's my good he friend. He's not your friend. Well, We've I, talked about I don't this. Have a he's lot of friends. nobody's friend. I don't have a lot of friends on the Hill, but he happens to Because I've heard you're cranky. Well, I, I can, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm 81 years old. I'm, I'm doing okay saying, for my age. Okay, yeah. give me a break. Anyway, so I really appreciate one fair wage. You're doing an amazing job in Michigan, California. Portland, Oregon, Maine, Maine. I was there this summer. It's lovely. Portland, Maine is lovely. I act, I could, I could live there. Well, it's not the month, but it's actually pretty nice. It's I actually so like pretty. It there. <laughs> Best <laughs> lobster roll. So, <laughs> really good. I have to say, not too much mayo. They got to be a little light with that, but the women's good. It tastes really good. So, <laughs> keep doing what you're doing. You're doing a wonderful job. Really appreciate you. Good to see you again. Thank you. So that's my Bernie for you. Thank you. Thank you. Let's like it. Let's get Bernie to follow this in Vermont. Do you know Vermont has a wage of six bucks an hour for tipped workers? It's ridiculous. We got it. We this has got to go. It's got to yeah. go. Yeah. yeah. And I think a lot of people are just kind of waking up to that reality. I mean, where we are right now is when one eventually breaks through, then everyone looks at what could be possible. And exactly we don't right. we don't have a lot of what I would call rock stars out there. Um but Comedy Calamity is absolutely right. The one person who's running for 
a big office right now that I think could have a huge impact in the future is John Fetterman, if he is able to get to the U.S. Senate. Um, He is definitely an economic populist, and that is exactly what we need. we need more of those types. You don't think Dr. Oz is an economic populist? Oh, come on. I mean, with those. <laughs> you... All right. Here's what I will say about I've Dr. Oz. I've seen his house. He's struggling. Did you? Hear... But OK, the latest thing about Dr. Oz that came out today, which hopefully will be the end of his political career. <laughs> I hope apparently so. he uh, uh, like um, he like slaughtered like 300 dogs or something like animal testing or some shit. OK, wait, like, wait, wait. Oh, OK, but wait, yeah, 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 yeah. But doctors do that. I, 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 I oh, take it up with your legislators. Take it. That's what doctors, that's how they do research. I happen to know the person who's doing the uh, digital media for John Fetterman. So she's doing I'm it. Saying an that's a horrible job. thing to, and he very well could feel horrible about that because I know Jason does. Oh yeah. Well, again, my uh, husband's done that. We're, we're yeah. probably doing an event with Fetterman uh, in three weeks on this issue of the minimum wage. So I will send you, it's a Zoom event. I will send it to you guys so that you could share it with your audience. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, We really appreciate you coming on this evening. Your work that you do is absolutely fantastic. And we will absolutely be supporting it. Uh, The website, uh, onefairwage.site. That's the one. Yes. There are lots of wonderful non-corporate. And again, that's the key word. That is something that we really emphasize on our show is it's not progressive. It's non-corporate because the word progressive, as you know, it's been been co-opted by a lot of people. But what you can't deny is whether or not you are on the corporate payroll or you're not. And so, like you said, whether it's the National Restaurant Restaurant Association, uh, that NRA, or the NRA for rifles or whatever. Uh, <laughs> corporate special interests is what has captured our government. Last week, we were talking about the problem of the big four meat pa- meat packers. We had we were talking about big agri, which is really big meat. Yes. Um, so we, we're like slowly but surely wheedling through all of these disgusting industries. Yeah. I mean, I think the question is not, are you on corporate payroll? Are you willing to take on corporate power? That to me is really the question that, especially divides our electeds. Very Are you willing to stand up and take on corporate power? That's a good point. I think part of the reason why California has really been thriving when it comes to the non-corporate movement is because you are a supermajority blue state and you see through who's a Democrat that's supporting working people and those who are supporting right. corporate interests. Our people are so jaded here. Our people really believe that the Democrats is the answer as far as that's concerned. Like they, because- they don't see, they can blame everything right now on the Republican legislature, and they do. Yeah. Everything's the fault of that. So yeah. you guys don't have that luxury. They actually have to own their stink. You, I, I don't know how familiar you are with Jen and, and her background and who she ran against for Congress in 2020. Oh, no. Jen ran for Congress against Debbie Wasserman Schultz. We ended up doing very well, all things considered. There is the possibility she may run again in 24. But Debbie's the head of the snake here in Florida. There's no question about it. And her her, her comfort, if you will, with the GOP speaks volumes, oh. especially when it comes to her votes, where she's funded, things like that. And as a lot of people are now looking at the trajectory of DeSantis potentially being our next president. There is really something to be said for the role that she and the Florida Democrats played in allowing him to ascend the way that he did. Yeah. Well, once again, I mean, part of it is just, I mean, part of it is like very direct. 
like you're saying. And part of it is indirect when you, again, when you abandon working people, DeSantis rises, Trump rises, you know, when you abandon the core value, what, what are Democrats for? If not things like minimum wage and healthcare, like I don't know such core values that supposedly defined Democrats, you know, so it is so long. You you cannot be for Main Street and for Wall Street at the same time. It yeah. just doesn't. We've covered this quite a bit in the past couple of weeks. We we had um, an author, Lily Geismer, on, and her book is called Left Behind. And it really talks about where the Democratic Party shifted into neoliberalism and left behind labor. And then we also recently had Tom Hartman on with The Hidden History of Neoliberalism. And it really, it, like, you can really see the timeline of how it happened. And yet these people that are like the heads of these the Democratic Party are still living like it's the 90s. Yeah, it's yeah. like we all see that now. We see yeah. you now. And yet they're still doing it because they've rigged the system in such a way that they can sit there, even though they're so unpopular. Well, you certainly understand the plight we go through having Wasserman Schultz as our congresswoman. Yes. You have the queen bee herself as your Which is why I'm sitting here thinking so. you, sh- you would be a great foil. <laughs> you would be such a good foil I don't for think, her. I, I don't think Saru has, has done has has expanded enough her network in order to to, to even consider that option because believe me, now, I'm sure there's a lot uh, of people who would like to see Pelosi as no longer not only the speaker as the congresswoman of San Francisco, but a, to understand the cottage industry that is that is Nancy Pelosi. Nancy Pelosi is San Francisco, just like Debbie Wasserman Schultz is South Florida, Florida politics. They're, it's so unfortunate. It, as they say, it's a machine. It's not one person. It's all these little proxies that have been in place. And we on the non-corporate side have to make a collective effort, yes, collective effort going forward to understand that it is a bottom-up approach. If we don't help, if we don't do something, these people aren't going to leave until they're in their coffins on their way out. Well, I mean, I think probably actually the very best example here is Senator Feinstein, who is not even- Oh uh, my God. Yeah, I mean, not even coherent. No, you know. No, and that's the- and that We could say that about Joe though too. Well, yes, but here's the difference. The president- is given certain luxuries and things that he is able to do in order to get in front of the camera. When you're in the U.S. Senate, you li- like people don't even know where Dianne Feinstein is. No. They don't even know if she's ever going to be on well, TV. Most people again. don't know their own representative or their own senator, let alone yeah. someone else's. Yes. But, but I think as long as we keep building that bench, and like I said, California is certainly doing a much better job than Florida is. Oh, yeah. But I think as long as, as you like to say, cross-pollinate. I hate that. As long as we continue to cross-pollinate and... Bi- I'm from New Jersey. How do you get a, Nor- a New York and New Jersey person to stop talking, tie their hands behind their back? That's you. you just have to find a team that you both equally hate. You just have to like hate on the Patriots or something. <laughs> yeah. That's all you have to do. You just have to find common ground in sports. That's well, what you're we, well, we can't keep we can Saru hate. any longer because okay. I, I have no doubt that you're a diehard San Francisco 49ers no, fan and no, you definitely want to watch that game. I'm she sorry. I love sports. Just, I know, we know. She don't give a crap. He's <laughs> too enlightened. Guys, 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 corporations. I don't know what you're talking about. I know. Well, Levi's uh, owns it. Well, all the name. Let me tell you something. One thing I will say as a sports fan, the fact that the Staples Center got replaced with the Crypto.com Arena name. Like at that point, I'm just like, all right, this is too much. Yeah. Yeah. This is way too much. It's Fordham at its best. Guys, please go to onefairwage.site. Please support Sarah's efforts, not just in California, but all over the United States. We are going to bring a living wage and universal. We are. We're We'll yes. be last, but we're 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 hopeful. Oh, here. Florida's going to be last, but you oh, know we'll, we'll be we'll underwater. It won't matter. 
Uh, awesome. Thank you so thank much. You so thank much. you, Sarah. We hope to see you again in the near future. Thank you Appreciate for all you. Bye. Bye. You're very welcome. Now, she was lovely. Yes. Oh my God, she was so lovely. She would be such a good foil for Nancy Pelosi. Oh my God. Now listen, I'm not totally going to be a. She would not be as beatable because she doesn't have the skeletons and she doesn't have that. She would not be as beatable. I don't know. But again, unfortunately, as we've talked about many a times, there is a certain type of person, as often as the case, that is attracted to politics, that is attracted to running for office and the people. But we need to get others. Yeah. Well, somebody like Saru is the person that you would want to have running for office. That's that's how I want it to be. I want there to be a revolving door between activism and politics. That's the revolving door I want. Yes, that's what I want. I want people like her to be the next Shama Sawant and so on and so forth. Yes, that's exactly what I want. She really was- (laughs) She was lovely. Great and knowledgeable and somebody that I hope we can continue- When you are smart and motivated and attractive- And give a damn. Well, it's that's motivated. Yes, but she gives a damn for the right reasons. Yes, well, that's what I'm saying. I'm just saying, There's a she's lot got of people the whole package going the on reasons. there. That's part of the problem. And again, uh, to bring the conversation full circle, one of the reasons why blaming DeSantis is a losing argument. Number one, if you're not actually attacking the primary issue here, which is the fact that we have runaway climate change on this planet, and we do, that's the problem. And this isn't a Democrat or Republican problem. This is an American politics problem because American political the American political arena is bought by big oil. But the problem with that is, is that DeSantis has not been bad on the environment. Not when it comes to the Everglades, but he's still taking money from nefarious industries. And the problem in the Democratic Party is that- And Charlie allowed, Crist isn't. And you allowed DeSantis right. to get a major political win when he didn't need it. Three Democratic state senators decided to vote yes on a net metering bill, even though there were three GOP senators that voted no to ensure that it couldn't pass. And instead, the Democrats made sure it did. It got to DeSantis's desk and he decided to veto it. So you make the Democrats look bad and make DeSantis look great. Totally unnecessary. Yeah. So complaining constantly about Ron saying that, oh, he's such a terrible guy. You help him succeed. They don't get it. But also trying to throw him under the bus for having lack of hurricane preparedness. We're so far past that. That doesn't even work anymore. After Katrina, obviously someone's complete ineptitude in handling a natural disaster is apparently not a deal breaker. So that's not going to get him, guys. Not to mention that there's a lot of things that are going to happen between now and November. It seems like it's just a month away. It'll be old news by the time it comes around voting. Yeah. And right now. Uh, it is his to lose. I mean, Charlie Crist, first of all, Ron DeSantis's political ads are great. Yeah, they, they are. are. They're just good. They're yeah. all good. Whoever is doing them is good. Also, the ads that are anti-Charlie Crist also done well. And based on very factual information. And Charlie Crist writes his own negative campaign ad. I mean, if you're going to say things like. If you can't, the, the moment you win the primary, the very next day, within 12 hours, you're in you're in front of ABC News saying, I don't want DeSantis' supporters. They have hate in their heart. It's like, OK. Do you well, not recall the deplorables are you, like, strategy? Are you, just, are you just trying not to win? You, I mean, I, Well, it's that. And then the fact that. Thank God for Joe Biden. Thank God for Joe Biden. That commercial wrote itself. Like he literally wrote his own smear ad. But the truth is, is that 
you are talking about a party that is putting up the same ticket that they put up in 14. So you're, it's talk about not coming up with new material. It doesn't work. It's, it's just, it's, it's not going to, it's not going to work. No. And listen, I appreciate the fact that Charlie is obviously been very vocal and active against big sugar, which is something that we need, but there's also something to be said for knowing how to meet the moment. And that's very important. And in this case, if you think that the way to meet the moment is just to bash DeSantis, it's, it, that doesn't work. That's not how it's going to get done. No. You have to be able to have a, sol- a solid foundation in order to fight. And again, this idea that we have to play defense. Well, you wouldn't have to play defense if what you were fighting for were the things that people want. If a state like Florida can vote Donald Trump convincingly in 2020 and pass a $15 minimum wage, it means that people actually can think for themselves. They just have their preferences for who they want because most of the decisions that are made regarding top of the ticket candidates or even congressional candidates, it's based on whether they like you or not. And there's a lot of people who like Trump. There's a lot of people who hate Trump. There's a lot of people who like DeSantis. There's a lot of people who hate DeSantis. But there's more people that like them in this state than dislike them. Correct. And if you want to convince people to come to your side, telling people that they should go get effed is not how it's going to work. It will not work that way. You can try it over and over again, hoping it'll work, but it won't. Well, he's done some other not so sound strategies. I mean, hanging out with, you know, Debbie is not necessarily a brilliant. Well, I still think, and and listen, if you really want to call out Debbie, as I like to do, because I I think she's the worst of the worst. So the fact that. I don't blame Charlie for this. I don't blame him for deciding that he wanted to try to campaign here in Broward and make sure that he got as many votes as possible. But here's the problem. A week before the primary, Charlie was invited by Debbie to Broward, where Nikki Freed lives, to campaign across the county. Couldn't wait one week, even though everyone knew that Charlie was going to win the primary. And instead... Debbie decided to rub it in Nikki's face. And so what happens when you do that? Well, you actually suppress the vote because there are some people who are just going to say, well, the hell with this. I'm not going to support you. You don't even give a damn about our candidate. You don't even give a damn about being able to be somewhat politically neutral. But who would ever expect that from Debbie? Okay, so do you all think issue of DeSantis and Rubio voting against Sandy Relief Funds is a good strategy or the migrant stunt? No and no. And here, here is why. Pointing out hypocrisy among elected officials is like whack-a-mole, okay? That's not, they're all hypocrites. They all vote what they want when they want it for their people. But the bottom line is, is that the relief is for the people, not for them. So to sit there and say, we're not going to give your state relief because you voted again, it's all people. I don't feel that, I I don't feel like that should determine anything. And as far as the mic, anything that the Democrats bring up, that isn't about what they are going to do and what their plan is and how they are the answer to the woes of the world is a bad plan. That's basically it. They need to present something, anything, and they don't. And now you have them taking back their meager $10,000 student loan forgiveness, which was pathetic and means tested anyway. And it's that you can't win unless you have something to offer. And it doesn't count to just criticize the other side. That is not an offering. And in fact, it really pushes people over to the other side because it's really just sanctimonious and annoying. And that's why people vote GOP. In many ways, they vote for GOP out of spite because they know that one side is at least being honest. The GOP is honest, sink or swim, that's how we roll. You can't hack it in our party. You can't hack it in our country. Run our way. 
Too bad. We're not fans. No. Like, we're trying our best to try to explain and pull Democrats into a direction that makes them a viable labor party that would actually create a resistance to the Republican Party. So we don't trash Democrats more because, you know, we like Republicans. We trash them more because we're trying to fix them. Republicans are not fixable by us. You like, that's not to, something we're going to deal with. If you have a party of management and a party of labor, then you can have things get done in the United States. We have two parties of management, no matter what the Democrats tell you. Saru was not going to say it, but the only reason those eight Democrats voted against a living wage is because of Joe Biden. And that's a fact. Can't corral his own party. Didn't want to. Just like he doesn't give a damn about whether or not you get your student loan debt forgiveness because he doesn't believe in it because he, like Pelosi, like Debbie, like Schumer, like Hoyer, like Clyburn, like the rest of them, they're they're all all completely funded and controlled by corporate special interest money. Right. Like, honestly, we should require if we could just have like a ballot initiative, like a national ballot initiative and require them to wear the logos of their sponsors. I honestly think we might get somewhere like if you add to see Nancy and like covered in Silicon Valley and the military industrial complex and all her like bad money. Like, can you imagine what these people would look like? It would be hilarious. They would have to have jumpsuits like NASCAR drivers to have patches on them. Yeah, that would obviously be much better, but unfortunately, we don't have that right now. And so, as it stands, uh, you know, we're you have we're trying got, to you have us now. trying to point out who the corporate whores are. Yeah, that's basically what we have. And that's most of them. I wish it wasn't that way, but we're trying we to fix it. Like audience. that's why we criticize the Dems more because that's the only chance we have of having labor party. Yeah, you got to clean out your own house. You can't just be focused on cleaning yeah. out the other side. And one side doesn't want to be cleaned out. No. That's part of the reason why Hoyer, Pelosi, even Schumer, who's in his 70s, but the top brass in the Democratic Party, they're all in their 80s. Clyburn is in his 80s. They're not going. They're they, like. No, they're going to have to be taken out in coffins. Yeah. Absolutely. And I don't say that in any violent or threatening way. I mean, in the natural course of the fact that they're old. But it's just pathetic. But so we believe, though, that the true power in the party is where like. I think so. Our our who we're endorsing for 24 is Manchin parliamentarian. Okay. Joe Manchin and the parliamentarian president, vice president in 24, because those are clearly the people that have the most power in the party. Joe Biden couldn't even get his way. And he's the president. So if you guys think that that he can't get past them, we should be voting for them. So and you guys might wonder how one would come across a mansion parliamentarian bumper sticker. I got to tell you something, Paul, because I see what you're writing and I got to be very direct. What you have to understand is that we have a migrant crisis in the United States. And we have that because workers in this country are standing up for themselves. They do not want to work for slave wages anymore. And Pelosi and the rest of them want to open the floodgates and invite as many people in that are willing to work for slave wage. That's a fact. Do I agree with what DeSantis did? Absolutely not. It was a scummy move, like a lot of scummy moves that people do. But the reality is these are the the migrants are being used as political pawns because they are desperate. They the politicians know they're desperate and they want to use them for political points. They do not give a damn about us and they never will. They do not care about migrants and where they end up. They never will. Look at Lori Lightfoot. In Chicago, look at Gavin Newsom in California. Look at the uh, elected officials at Martha's Vineyard. They do not give a damn about these people at all. No different than DeSantis. DeSantis is just willing to be honest about it. 
That's the difference. Well, and he's politically smart. Correct. He knows he knows what buttons to push where and when. So. We are in need of whether it's a general strike, whether it is at least have the railroad strike for God's sake. We are so we have so created a world for ourselves out of basically complacency for so long that now it's almost impossible to do those things. Like you how do you do a general strike when you have no safety net? How do you yeah. do a general strike when you have no community aid and you don't have health care? And it's not just that. The left is so, I, I hate saying the left, but it's just. The, the, and we, he means the political left. Yeah, there's, su- there's such discombobulation. There's no camaraderie. There's no, no solidarity. It's a lot of ego. A lot of. Like the, the ego is unbelievable. I'm it's not worse even, on the left. Listen, I'm not even going to get into it because there's such thing as being terminally on the left or terminally okay, online. No, that's awesome. General idea, general, general strike. strike. All right, there you go, Mario. That's very That's good, good, Mario. We dig, we dig. But you, but what you guys have to remember is, even when people attempt to extend olive branches, and a lot of you guys have seen what happened recently with our, you know, old friends that were on our show over here. We're not ago, talking about that. And what happened with Bree? It we're just not. goes to show you that we can't get out of our own way. Like, it's not possible. They just can't be nice. The egos will always dominate until people start demanding that, yeah, this isn't, we don't have time for this anymore. We have to get serious about what we're doing here. What we need to be doing is doing what the labor movement is really supposed to do, which is, I don't give a damn what your political affiliation is. I just care that you believe that everyone is entitled to a dignified life. But right now what we have is we have a Democratic Party that is essentially just nothing more than an impediment between the people trying to get something done and the right. That's all they are. They're just like a roadblock between the people that are really trying to do something. They don't serve a function. They're kind of like the middleman in insurance. Like the Democrats don't actually serve a function other than to be the first barrier between us and getting something done. So when you want to know why I don't fight against Republicans, we can't get there. We're too busy trying to get take a stand in our own party and have our party stand for something. But what I will say, and, and let's end on a positive note, because what we experienced yesterday, and I'm not going to divulge any details, but let's just say we did go to a Democrat, what you would call a traditional die-in-the-wool Democratic oh, yeah. Party fundraiser. Old school style. Totally. Like, all, Democrats are great, Republicans are terrible. And, and it was all just DeSantis smashing, but Correct. it was on a really nice yacht. But- the good news is, is that out of the probably like my 40 people, moment. would you say, about 40 people, there was probably a good dozen, maybe even 15 people that were in that room that really like Jen and really understand why things are bad. They just need to hear it inside the echo chamber. It, it's not easy to hear it because they never hear it. But once they start to hear it, there were two gentlemen in particular that were friends of our friends that really took a shining to her and felt the need to go out of the way at the end of the event to say, I really like Jen. Yeah. And that to me. And these are people that would have normally, if they were in our district, would have seen my name and would have voted the safe bet and would have probably voted for what they knew. Yeah. And, and now that's something different, but no, this was a very traditional fundraiser. There was some serious moolah, you know, not our typical type of, uh, event by any stretch. Um, but yeah, and like I said, I ended up friends with the caterer and the bartender. One thousand percent. That's what you need. And again, as Jen said, sometimes you just 
there are people who don't necessarily want to be candidates because they really don't like it, but sometimes there is a calling to be one because you simply know how to do it. I don't know that people know how to do it. I think that just some people are just more appealing to people and just, you know, you just have a way to deal with people. And it's just something that is just, I believe, inherent. It's like anything else. You can learn certain skills, but the people that are best at something, it's just who they are. Paul, the reason why DeSantis is able to do whatever he wants is because the Florida Democratic Party in particular has allowed him to get there. On, by design. By design. They have no resistance. If you really, Paul, if you want to do a little research, one thing I highly recommend you look into is the net metering bill that dis, that got to DeSantis's desk that he was able to veto that made him look like an environmental hero and the Democrats look like the feckless, you know what's that they they're are. They're really mick resistance here. They only they yeah. we have a Democratic Party in name only here. You they have don't to pose go, any real resistance. You, you you take a look at that, you'll look at that and you'll say, Yeah, it's almost like they're working together. Well, funny you should say that. I think they are. <laughs> I think they are. And then you've got Democrats like Debbie, who's really, she's just a Republican, just happens to be pro-choice. And if there's one thing we can assure you, and we'll leave on this note before we get to our plugging of the end of the Which, show. you know. If there's one thing we can assure you about Debbie Wasserman Schultz, she'll sink the whole ship in order to save her neck. That's the, that's a fact. I really do have that good graphic of her with the with the life preserver and like with the immigrants going overboard. It's a I've really never good, seen that. I used it for like a few different thumbnails. It was like one when she was like tossing Cuba under the bus kind of thing. Like I've oh, used Venezuela. it. If, if, no, well, yeah, but like there have been different things where I've used it for her. Where Not it's surprised. Like, I mean, I saw it. Yeah, but it's literally that. her floating in a yeah. life preserver where she'll throw other people over. But as you guys know, we are very keen on su- on supporting local efforts. And so as this is a great transition, Jen made a wonderful friend at the event last night. I'm very excited. And you are going as part of your wonderful support. Jen, please tell the audience well, about this wonderful event. Well, I'm going to, okay, and you guys, I really do thank you for this because I'm donating, I'm making a donation to a local cancer fundraiser, which isn't normally the kind of thing that we generally support, but this is a particularly cool group of women that are just really good to, in terms of like making good connections and knowing people that are really philanthropic and meeting people that actually care about things. And for me to be with people in that world is an opportunity for me to educate people on the kind of stuff we do that otherwise wouldn't. So it's a really good networking opportunity, but I'm getting fairy hair on Wednesday. So Jen is going to be on the live stream on Wednesday with because she fairy has to, hair. because it's a, well, it's a fun announcement. I know you guys so love him. Excited. He is obviously one of the best. Steve, <gasps> Steve, Steve Grumbine of Real Progressives is coming on again on Wednesday. He's, he's beginning a little bit of a regular. I, I love him. I know so Jen always loves him. I that. do love him. Uh, we must be able to have the guru himself come on and break down the insanity oh, yes. of the Biden administration claiming that we can't cancel student, student debt loans. anymore. Because of one lawsuit. And by the way, my answer which is probably is frivol- correct. Which was, is a frivolous lawsuit to begin with. Which was, my answer was correct when I'm reading what they're saying is the reason. So then fine, don't cancel them. Just pay them. If they're private, then just pay them. Like, that's the MMT concept. Like, if you have any, if if there's one thing that I'm sure Steve will point out very clear, is that if you have any doubt 
that this is all Joe basically saying, I don't give a damn. This is it. Okay, guys. So can we get back to the fairy hair for a second? So on Wednesday, what I'm going to- What do you mean fairy yes, hair? Yes, I'm so excited. So they're doing, it's a, it's a fundraiser. And one of the things, so for your, when you give your donation, you get, you get some hors d'oeuvres, you get a beverage and you get fairy hair. And there's this woman and it's like these teeny little filament tinsel things. They're so cool. And the caterer that we met last night, Lenore had them in her hair and it was so pretty. And so for your donation, you get fairy hair, right? It's fairy hair. So I'm very excited about it. So you'll see little pink, like, and it's very subtle. It's not like obnoxious tinsel or anything. It's really, (laughs) really, I'm so excited. I, I am. I am. I'm, I'm going to, well, I'm, I'm just excited. I'm getting fairy hair and I'm going to go on the earlier end so I can be back in time for the live stream. That's why I had to ask you. He can't make us go early on Wednesday though. I want to go on at seven. I'm getting fairy hair. 7.15, I told him. Oh. You don't have a choice. Oh my God. Yeah. All right. I That's better him. get there by four. I'm going to be like the first one there. Uh, so guys, what we are doing is if you would, if you support our show and you be a patron on Patreon, um, why did you get rid of that thing? Because you got so sidetracked. Um, Sorry. For as little as five dollars a month, you can support us, and most of it is not me going getting fairy hair, but it's things no, it definitely like, is. No, it's usually things like community garden, and we donate to mobile school pantry, and we donate to non corporate candidates, and really, we're just about trying to transform politics into service. For a ten dollar patron, we are until. I get rid of all my mansion parliamentarian stickers. They're getting thrown in with the Lulu sticker. I have, I keep forgetting to bring a Lulu sticker into the new studio. Um, That's what you get with that. And obviously we would love $25 a month patrons. And we have a new category people, which we're going to do right now because you got to talk them. So, because you didn't talk them. uh, No, I always do at the end. Okay. So as you guys know, we are huge advocates for small business. Very much. And as it stands right now, this particular small business is very important because we had another home insurance company fold in the state of Florida. So it really pays to go local for the citizens of Fort Myers and any other part of Florida that has been adversely affected or as a result of Hurricane Ian or... You are looking at the unfortunate insurance crisis that is in Florida. Frankly, if I was the one running for governor against DeSantis, that's what I'd be running on. I'd basically be running nonstop on the housing crisis coupled with the insurance crisis. But I digress. So anyway, the Apex Insurance Agency, home, auto and life insurance, if you are so inclined and care about taking care of your home, taking care of your car and, of course, taking care of your life. I know I do. You definitely want to contact Apex Insurance Agency in Delray Beach, Florida, where I was a resident for seven years. And seriously, that's local enough if you're in South Florida. Like that's considered local. And you guys, when you have a local insurance agent, it really is better. Like we do, we have someone, it isn't them because I didn't know them. I've had the same person for years, but I kept my people. They will pick up the phone. That does matter. It does matter. So guys, this is, yeah. But- that is a good category. That's $50 a month. If you guys want to be a small business patron, um, it is very appreciated. We give a shout out every show. We will promote and we will not take on any multiple uh, businesses in the same genre. And if you are so inclined, then of course, you guys may not necessarily want to put your credit card out there, which is fine. We would love for you to become a small business patron for as little as $50 a month. And again, I'm really looking for a taco truck. And we will plug you every single show. Every time. And if you're a taco truck, 
we'll do lives from your location. Or we'll eat your taco on <laughs> oh, the show. That's with, without a doubt. But I'm just saying, like, I will do an on location live. But if you are so inclined and would like to contribute, please go to Cash App Dollar Sign Gen Change. Any amount will do. Any amount is appreciated. Oh, one thing that Jen Core just donated to was uh, a school party for, it's a school that's in a vulnerable area down here. And they're putting together a party for, they don't call it Halloween because they don't celebrate that as a holiday, but they're doing like a party and it was something. And so we gave them $30. Yeah. And so there's our local community things that I know are helping actual real people. That's the kind of stuff I give. For those of you who do financially support us, we really appreciate it. And of course, I think you all can tell that your money is in good hands with our organization. We are not looking to do anything. I mean, yes, it's nice to go to an event, but remember, everything has a means to an end. This wonderful contact, Lenore, among other people that are there. uh, Really, really great. Taco Tuesdays for sure. Oh, my God. You know what? I, I will commit to that. When the weather gets cool again, so we're talking like for me, it's really November, December, January of the months. Um, we will go. I will go back to doing Trash and Taco Tuesday. Um, we did Trash and Taco Tuesday. I think I was a little too ambitious with the idea of having like volunteer core, and it just became overwhelming. There is a Dune cleanup on Saturday if you would like to join me, part of Emerge Brower. Just um, no, I, I'm doing a show Saturday night. I'm doing Dania After Dark. I will be at Dania After Dark Saturday Ooh, night. So you booth. can't come in? No, this is in the morning. Okay, so you think I want to spend my morning cleaning a beach that I could go set up a booth in Dania After Dark and do a show yes. tonight? Yeah, no. I will be. I will, I will show up at Dania After Dark, I promise. I don't care if you, if you're not going to come and help me, then you don't need to come. Like, I don't need you just to come by and say hi to me. But if you guys all right, are interested. All right, I'll come there and I'll get them. I am, because we could use help. Um, Dania and of course, you know Saturday. what that means? That means I'm the one helping. So, you know, no, Jason, and I did it just fine before I ever met you. I had my whole little business. I have the racks. I have my tent. I have a whole business. So guys, yeah. Wicked Gypsy Designs will be at Dania after dark this Saturday. Yippity dippity doo. Come check out my new stuff. I have some really good new products. Smash the like button. Make sure to like subscribe share, do all those wonderful things that allow our show to very steadily, very slowly, but steadily grow. Very slowly. Very slow. But they still grow. I will be, I'm just hoping that we could do it before we need to evacuate. Yeah, that would be a great idea. Because I have a great studio situation here at this place. Let's hope for the best. Guys, remember Wednesday, special start time. We're going to probably be on at 7, maybe 7.15, but it's going to be in that range. I am so, like, you had to combine. I specifically I, said to you last Steve. night. I know, but I specifically said to you, what time are we going live? You said 8. I, t- I Then I made plans to go to the thing, which, by go. the way, is on Galt Ocean. Where is that? East. All the way, it's on A1A, north of Oakland, like just south of Oakland Park. Okay, so then you're basically going to go to the event and you're literally going to have to come here and get right on live. Yeah, like that's what thank you. Well, unfortunately, I'll co- have fairy hair. Okay. You want to come? I'd love for you to come. Right. It's a fundraiser. All you right. know, you could come okay. schmoozy, be my work husband. And we, so then we'll have to leave. Uh, we'll have, um, thankfully, the one thing about Florida, which is very interesting when it comes to traffic. Traffic is infinitely worse north to south than it is east to west. Don't know why, but that's just the way it, it is. Goes. And we're now we're pretty much a straight shot across sunrise. And the truth right. is, it's equally bad all the time. Like it, it has one main level. It doesn't seem to fluctuate too much. It's very true. And so we will definitely. Yeah, uh, but I'm. That's. I mean, look, I love Steve, and I know of all the, our guests, nobody probably would appreciate my fairy hair more than Steve. Well, no, and again, but again, Steve specifically needs to come on at a certain time. He's got the young kids, blah, 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 blah. So 
We will have Steve on to obviously go over not just Biden being dishonest about student loan debt, but a number of other things. MMT related. Okay. Before you Let me tell you, left is best. Trash and Taco Tuesday is a great name. Now we go, we do an hour and a half beach cleanup on Hollywood Beach, and then we go get tacos. There's, there's several good taco places on Hollywood Beach. So it's Trash and Taco Tuesday. Well, we'll have to work on that one. And, anything, and, and, and one thing we have always tried to educate people on when it comes to politics and you want to get people to volunteer for causes, have food. Have food. And it doesn't even have to be that expensive. Just have food. Have yeah, pizza. We, whatever. We usually, we usually provide food. If you have food, they'll show up. That's, yeah, that's and fun. I really do. I have really good trash cleaning stuff. I've got a lot of buckets. I have trash pickers. We also have to continue our canvas. Got to fit. We yeah, might we finish have, it. We might be able to finish it actually. Yeah, not Saturday. I'm not doing it this Saturday. I'm, I'm all about my Dania. Depends on what the well. Actually, the Giants play at nine thirty in the morning on Sunday, so that'll work out perfectly. We could actually do the afternoon or in the evening. Hit the like button, subscribe, share, do all those wonderful things. Steve Grumbine, seven or seven fifteen on. Well, we'll just say seven. Come here at 7 o'clock on Wednesday, and then after Steve, we are having a wonderful candidate, Odessa Kelly, running for the U.S. Congress in the 7th Congressional District in Tennessee, which covers Nashville. Great place. I'm Yeah, that's really cool. Yes. I, I have not been, and I know that that's sort of like, you know, very um, Guys, ungenly. and if you really can do us a huge favor, what we would really appreciate is three particular people that we are trying to flag right now to have on our podcast for the Deconstructing Zionism live stream. Mark Lamont Hill, Saul Levin, and none other than Rashida Tlaib. So if you are Saul Saul Levin. I mean, uh, Andy Levin. I'm sorry. Like, Saul who Levin's are you talking son. about? Saul's the son. I'm Congressman sorry. Andy Levin. Congressman Andy Levin. Sorry. Like, okay. Who is Saul? His son. Are you thinking about Better Call Saul? I better call somebody because I'm getting hungry right now. So that's all that's great. It's always about you. Yep. We got Odessa. So make sure you're here or be square. I can't draw a square. Not You're with my just... <laughs> Guys, thank you as always. Appreciate your support. Hit that like button, share, subscribe. Lots of clips coming this week. You're going to love them. We'll see you Wednesday. Thanks for watching. If you want to support our mission to transform politics into service, please like this video, subscribe, follow us on social media, and consider joining our Patreon, where you'll get early access to our interviews as well as other exclusive content. Links are in the description. Peace out.